WBD has set their sights on Paramount as sort of the top of their list as an acquisition target, and they have their own reasons for doing it. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, December 22nd. Today, I'm joined by Dylan Byers with the latest on a possible mega deal in Hollywood, a merger between Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount. Talks are happening, it's still early, but Dylan explains why this deal makes sense for both entertainment titans. We also take a look at the Washington Post and their new CEO, Will Lewis, who was already making moves even before he officially starts the new job in January. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. Happy Friday, everybody. It might be a travel day for you. There's only a few more days left till Christmas for those who celebrate. And I'm joined today by Dylan Byers and his beautiful baritone to guide you home. <laughs> uh, Dylan, welcome to the I show. I didn't know that was my register. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. know I had a register. I don't know anything about altos and baritones or whatever, but you do have a nice <laughs> voice. Dylan, I want to talk to you about the the big news that popped this week, which is a possible merger between Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount. This would create an entertainment behemoth. Uh, this is right in Puck's strike zone. Uh, I also want to ask you about what's going on at the Washington Post with new CEO Will Lewis now throwing his weight around, his British weight, Sir Will Lewis, his his uh, kilos, rather. I do want to mention, though, Dylan, I tried your Sierra Alta cocktail uh, that you had listed in Puck's uh, annual guide to mirth and merriment as your favorite holiday drink. I ordered the Brucato Chaparral Amaro. I got the uh, Bruto Americano, uh, which is from St. George, actually, right? Um, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it tasted like a Pioneer uh, Negroni, is how I would describe yes. it, with similar that color. Was the goal. So, and I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. You described it perfectly. Think. Think of it as an apres ski drink you'd have next to a fire in a snow blanketed chalet, preferably before a hearty <laughs> Italian meal. Uh, anyway, I liked it a lot. Thank you for the tips as always. Um, so let's get into the the Warner Brothers Paramount stories. Our, our pal Sarah Fisher scooped this on Wednesday afternoon. You know, it uh, sent the slack popping over here at Puck. Mm-hmm. Look, this is we're recording this. Uh, you know, a day before things could have changed by the time you are hearing this powers that be listeners, but Dylan, what's how real is this? Why do these companies see alignment and what's the latest? 
Well, it de- I, yes, it definitely popped on the Slack channel, and it's big news for us. I can just off the top of my head, I can think of at least four of us uh, at Puck just with actual bylines uh, who are sort of going to obsess over this in the in the days and weeks to come. Very real uh, meeting happened. David Zaslav and Bob Bakish met at Bakish's office in New York uh, over lunch, and. Look, depending on who you ask, this was either like why they got together or maybe they got together and then this came up. In any event, this is this is a real conversation, but there's some useful context here. I think if you just look at the headline, you know, I, I think we're not that many years off of headlines that told us that Warner Media and Discovery were going to merge. This is not by any means a foregone conclusion. So there's some context here that's really important, which is, one, I think most importantly, we have been talking, we, uh, you, me, uh, Bill, Matt, uh, everybody, have we've been talking about the inevitable and fast approaching day when Sherry Redstone will have to sell Paramount, right? We, we all know the, the sort of basic contours here. This is a game for scale in Hollywood. And if you're Sherry Redstone with what has now become like a $10 billion asset, you don't have that scale you are never going to have that scale and now is the time and and you certainly don't want this thing to get any smaller so so now is certainly the time to sell and it's pretty clear that she has sort of created a or is eager to create a sort of market for paramount our you know our colleague matt when he reported that Skydance and Redbird were quote-unquote kicking the tires on a paramount acquisition it sent the stock up something you know like 14 15 percent every report about a a suitor is likely to do something similar for the business and the more she can drive up the price and the more she can drive up the sense you know the sort of sense of competition here the better for her at the same time as i reported back in october wbd has set their sights on paramount as sort of the top of their list as an acquisition target and they have their own reasons for doing it they also understand that they're in the scale game they are sort of like uh, their competitors in Hollywood are sort of at this sink or swim moment mm-hmm. where we are drawing a line between the people who get to have a seat at the table with Amazon and Apple and Netflix a few years down the line and the people who don't and are going to be sort of subsumed into other companies. They have articulated that they want to be a buyer, not a seller. And Paramount is the sort of most obvious target for them right it gives them greater scale you know more streaming they can combine the streaming assets it gives them football of course you know all important nfl it uh certainly allows them to identify more synergies which is something that david zaslav is very big on you know like how many people can we cut can we offload some of the debt yada 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 and then you know sort of most interesting for me in my little corner of the world it would be it would it would effectively necessitate a tie-up between cnn and cbs news but in any event, you can sort of see the logic for them. Certainly, you can see the logic for Sherry, at least in terms of creating a greater sense of demand uh, around the asset. And so it's a big deal. But, and this would be my one note of caution, these talks are still very early, and nothing can happen until for, for WBD until after April of next year. And it is very possible that nothing will happen at all until sort of, I would say, the latter half of next year. Mm. So there, there's a ways to go. Skydance and Redbird remain interested. I, I presume there will be other suitors as well. 
but this gives us a lot to look forward to in 2024. The CBS CNN thing jumped out at me. That was in that was in Sarah's Axios post. This was never like sort of real, but I have some dim memory of being at CNN and there being like at, at one of CNN's low points for financially at least, uh, maybe it was pre Zucker, and there was talk of CBS and CNN sort of combining somehow because CBS yeah. News has never no, that had a cable was very network. Real. Yeah, CBS never had yeah. a cable network. They've got they've got CBSN. They were first and early to the to the streaming game, but that's something they've really lacked. And then the synergy theoretically works. You know, CNN has has moved away from being sort of left leaning. Like CBS News is maybe the most serious of the of the broadcast networks. So you'd have this sort of powerhouse centrist news organization that you could combine which is interesting um yeah very interesting but one one thing that is also curious here is this is me being a little bad at math but you know wbd's valued around 29 billion paramount's just like 10 billion so it's not a merger of equals, as Sarah said. No, yeah, not at all. This, this would, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you come up with all sorts of language and deal structure. I mean, it's important to remember that the way that uh, that Zaz got himself to the top of WBD, it, it obviously was not as though Discovery acquired Warner Media. In many ways, it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, for all intents and purposes, this this would be WBD acquiring paramount and you would have david zaslov running the combined entity uh playing out these this sort of cnn cbs news fantasy a little further it seems to me like mark thompson would then be probably running a combined cnn cbs news i think it's really interesting to think about Mm. what the opportunity is for local journalism as a sort of asset for cnn news but yeah sort of a lot of a lot of different things to play out here so there will be, you know, there will be questions about whether or not a company that's already saddled with forty-five billion dollars of debt should mm-hmm. be going out and buying more. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. sure that uh, Zaz sees the logic here. He sees the opportunity to to save money and sees the opportunity, perhaps even to offload some of the debt. Um, but there will be questions. There will be questions from the street. There might even be questions from regulators. I mean, one thing when I first started hearing about this interest in Paramount back in October was what is the regulatory environment going to look like? There's just a lot of uncertainty heading into an election year about what the tolerance is for, for a media deal like this. Um, In any event, there there are a lot of threads for us to pull on. All right, Dylan, I'm sure you're going to keep reporting on this the next few days. Hopefully it doesn't interfere with your holiday too much. Uh, When we come back, I want to ask you about what's going on at the Washington Post. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what the playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. The Evening Standard raves, The Gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. 
Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking, I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are are pancakes i love pancakes more than waffles more than french toast a couple of my favorites so far the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites i love egg bites discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more no prep no mess meals factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping cooking or cleanup needed so sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the powers that be, everybody. Dylan, I want to ask you about Sir Will Lewis, uh, the new CEO of the Washington Post. He officially starts that gig in January, but you, you've been told he's already taking meetings. Uh, what, what's the gossip? What's the buzz? What are you hearing out of out of the newsroom about what his intentions are? Yeah, well, look, so <laughs> I find there are going to be so many interesting news media storylines next year, and a lot of them are going to center around these new leaders, whether it's Will Lewis at The Post or Mark Thompson at CNN. But one thing I find so interesting about the company and the newsroom that Will Lewis is inheriting is this, <laughs> this is, as you and I have discussed many times, this is a newspaper that's very much on its back foot. Mm-hmm. It's endured very real revenue loss, $100 million in, in revenue losses last year. Uh, just had to cut 240 journalists. And it is dealing with this very, very intense activist guild effort, which, oh, by the way, just this week brought like 30 members of the guild into the newsroom, into a into an editorial meeting to just sort of sit there and wait until they were given the chance to, to sort of voice their frustrations with what is an ongoing contract negotiation that continues to grow more and more contentious you do sort of have to ask yourself like who would actually want this job we seem so far away from like the days of promise when we're thinking about like what what can the washington post do to sort of maximize its full potential of course part of bringing will lewis in is is like getting the post back to those days getting them back to profitability but also getting them back to a place of optimism and mm-hmm. momentum I think what's so interesting to me and what I've thought about in the piece that I, one of the pieces that I wrote this week is if there's anything I've learned from covering the post in recent years and sort of the Fred Ryan, the late stage Fred Ryan era, it's that actually having the post staff on your side and having the support of the room is a key part of being able to effectively run this business. And that is, even if it's Jeff Bezos's paper and he can hire or fire whoever he wants, 
you actually have to have the support of the newsroom in part because the guild represents more than two thirds of the entire staff. Mm. And Will Lewis, as we were reminded this week in a report from NPR, Will Lewis is a guy who comes from the Murdoch media empire and who has these sort of like lingering controversies that he's never totally wants to address surrounding uh, the work he did to sort of, depending on who you ask, either help detoxify the Murdoch media empire after the, the phone hacking scandal or what his critics would say is cover it up. And that accusation has sort of reared its head again in lawsuits in the UK. And I'm just sort of putting in my head, you know, I'm just sort of putting these things together. So you've got a guy who hasn't totally beat back the demons of his past, right, with these sort of accusations of wrongdoing, even though he denies them categorically. And at the same time, he's coming into a U.S. newsroom with a very activist union staff who has shown how they can make life a sort of living hell for a CEO they don't like, as they did with Fred Ryan. And so I'm going to be very interested to see if the one, if the if, if his sort of history and these accusations become an issue for him as he tries to ingratiate himself to the Washington Post, and if that is going to be a hurdle for him in terms of establishing himself as a leader there. Now, it's also completely plausible that all of these members of the guild don't really give a shit about what happened <laughs> 15 years ago, and they're more just concerned with their own paychecks and, and their own compensation and whether or not they can work from home, and that so long as he's nice and likable and addresses their concerns, as he is going to try to do in his first weeks on the job, then maybe none of this will matter. But it's just sort of interesting to me, This it, it seems like it would inevitably be a sort of head-on collision, a liberal, you know, liberal activist union against like a former Murdoch lieutenant. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think it's going to be really I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And then if he can achieve that, of course, then he gets to address the real challenges, which are figuring out a way to not lose one hundred million dollars next year and to once again sort of restore the post's um, reputation as a sort of, you know, like great leading news media organization of our age. Dylan, thank you for your insights, my friend. Have a great Christmas. You too, man. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you on Monday. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.